Welcome to the Get Your Donut Podcast. We're here to exchange our consumeristic Christianity for a life fully surrendered to Christ, and to never let our faith be as simple as grabbing coffee and a donut in the lobby. Let's do this. Well, welcome everybody. You are listening to episode five of the Get Your Donut Podcast. My name is Noah Reed. I'm your host. I'm excited to be here today. Excited that you're here. We've got some good stuff lined up today. We're going to be talking about uh, caring for and equipping uh, the next generation, what we can do as the body of Christ to equip and train uh, and build up the next generation of those kids and youth and young adults in our churches. And here with me uh, is, a, is a close friend of mine and an awesome partner in ministry. His name is Jake Saxton. Jake, thank you so much for being here, man. What's going on, Noah? It's so good to be here with you, man. Excited for the podcast. Sweet dude, yeah, it's it's a, a blessing to have Jake on. Uh, Jake and I actually went to uh, Biola together, got to know each other a little bit through uh, a couple classes there, and then, uh, but not super in depth, huh? And then kind of mm-hmm. became friends after after graduating, I guess. Yeah. Like moved to different parts of the state and then became closer somehow. It's funny how that works, huh? Yeah, that's a uh, yeah, it's that's a that's a story for another time, but um. Jake, uh, we're going to hear a little bit more about you, but first I I like to ask everyone who comes on the show, man, what is your favorite kind of donut? And you got to tell us why. So honestly, I was prepping for this question and I was pretty excited because this might be a little left field for some people, but I love a good huckleberry donut, a good huckleberry donut, because I believe there's a perfect amount of cake in there, but also with the sweetness um, I don't, I don't love too much like chocolatey pastries and stuff. I've always kind of been more in the, the fruity flavors. And so, uh, I would have to say a huckleberry donut. There's a good place down Ooh. by my wife and I, it's called JD flannels donuts. Okay. I don't know if you've heard of it. No. Um, there's also a sidecar donut too in Newport beach or Costa Mesa area. Super yeah. good. But yeah, they both, they both do huckleberry donuts, huckleberry donuts. They kind of do the gourmet donuts. So you're yeah. paying a good four to five bucks a donut, yeah. but it's, it's well <laughs> yeah. worth it though. I was going to say a huckleberry donut is not like 79 cents. That yeah, that thing yeah. is costing you multiple dollars, yeah. right? It's not your Krispy Kreme. No. That's why. Does a huckleberry <laughs> donut have filling or is it just all cake? No, it's, it's, it's just all cake. And then it's just a nice kind of glaze over the top. Dang. I think it's perfect. But yeah. yeah, that that sounds good. I mean, I've said it again and again. I'm a maple maple bar guy through and through. Uh, keep it simple. I actually got uh, when we had Marcus on the show, he actually trashed me a bit for liking maple donuts, oh. but whatever. I, I think yeah, it's classic, I, but I can't trash you. My wife's a big maple person too. Yeah, so you, you, you have something common there. So that's good. There you go. That's perfect. Um, all right, Jake. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself, man? Tell us uh, uh, about you, your family, uh, generally like where you live, what you do, what kind of ministry you've been in. Just give us a little background on yourself. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, uh, I grew up in the church, uh, in a Christian household, family of four, just my brother and I, who's two years younger, uh, grew up going to church every Sunday, uh, just a normal routine, went through the youth ministry programs, went to the camps, did all that fun stuff, youth groups, you name it. Um, and around the time of high school, kind of started steering away a bit from the faith, nothing too rebellious or crazy really happened, but just, you know, you get into high school and you get introduced to parties, you get introduced to sports, all that kind of kind of stuff. And so I think that was really where I found myself kind of straying a bit away from the faith. But it wasn't until my uh, end of junior year, senior year of high school, where uh, a really good mentor of mine, who was my small group leader in in the high school ministry, really encouraged me and and really pushed me to think about my faith deeper um, and really kind of pushed me to think about why I believe what I believe 
not just saying I'm a Christian and, and living as I pleased, but really seeing how God had called me to live my life and what his word said for that. And so um, I'd say around the time of about 18 years old was when I really started taking my faith seriously. Uh, where I started to consider, okay, what does it look like to actually live a godly life? And so um, with that, you know, the Lord had answered a lot of, a lot of time of prayer, thinking through what school after high school looked like, um, did some college applications, all that fun stuff, and ended up at uh, Biola University, where you and I had met Noah. We had some uh, classes together, as I was also a Christian ministries major. Uh, I also met my wife, Jess, uh, through that program. And so uh, during that time, you know, still learning more and more about about the faith, learning about what it means to be a follower of Christ, not just saying this is what I believe, but really how how yeah. I'm living that out. Yeah. Um, and so through that, I, I had some awesome opportunities with serving in a volunteer role uh, at the church that I grew up in back home. Um, and also in my later years of college, I did an internship at a large church in, in Anaheim, California, where I had an awesome opportunity to work with uh, a handful of junior high students. And uh, I feel like that was very transformative for me yeah. as I was also <laughs> applying for uh, full-time vocational ministry after college. And yeah. that leads to where I currently am. My wife and I are in uh, Laguna Niguel, California, uh, closer to like Dana Point. Uh, and I work in San Clemente, California at a small church of about 150 people or so, uh, where I serve as the next gen pastor. And so with that, I, I typically oversee our middle school, our high school and our uh, young adults and also some of our young marrieds as well. I, I head up some of that. And so uh, it's just been a real blessing to see how the Lord's been just his hands been all over that through that whole process. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I think that's really cool, man. Especially, especially in the way like that God uh, has kind of weaved through your story, like this challenge of, yeah, you, you want to know why you believe what you believe. And then, and then it's the step of like, and what does that look like living it out? Right. That's kind of like the ultimate battle. And then to use you and put you in a position where you have impact on uh, next gen is, is really cool as well, because uh, a lot of those those students and and whatever students that you might come into contact with or students that I come into contact with, like they're in that same wrestle question that, right. that you walk through that I've walked through of, of, do I really believe this? Or, um, how does this look like? Why do I actually live differently because of it? Like that's, there's so much wrestling that happens there. So I think it's cool that, that God's put you, uh, in that spot. Um, I'd love to hear uh, a little bit more just about, uh, maybe just briefly about your, kind of journey of like education, if you will. So tell us, like, I know you said you studied at Biola Christian Ministries. Uh, did, I don't know if you mentioned, are, are you continuing your education right now? What does that look like for you to grow theologically, biblically, uh, educationally, like just a, a brief history on that? Right, right. Um, to be honest with you, after my undergrad at, at Biola, I had told myself I will never go back to school. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. I, I'm not sure about you, but I am, I am not too good in the books, but I, uh, remember telling my wife, uh, babe, I'm not going back. And uh, she was like, okay, I'll hold you to that. About uh, six months later, I had yeah, realized right. that the Lord was was very clearly calling me back to continue my education through seminary. And so uh, I'm currently uh, studying Christian apologetics at Talbot Theological Seminary, which is yeah. basically the graduate uh, school of Biola University, um, where you had also attended. Yeah. And so, man, I'm just learning so much. Uh, you know, apologetically, we could, this could be a whole other podcast, but learning about yeah. why we believe what we believe, what it means to live that out, what it means to share that with those 
uh, with conflicting beliefs or those who maybe just don't know how to live out their faith. And so um, I, I'm always learning, man. And, I, and I'm convinced that we'll never stop learning on this side of eternity. And so um, just always getting my head in the books if I can. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Well, we're, we're ready to jump in, man. Um, but before we do, I like to ask everyone who comes on the show, if you could recommend one book to our listeners for faith development or faith encouragement besides the Bible, mm-hmm. what would it be and why? So I'm going to cheat here a little bit. If that's all right. I actually, of course have you two, are. I actually have two recommendations. <laughs> uh, and the first one is really, I believe for any, uh, any Christian, any believer who's wanting to grow more um, spiritually. Uh, and this book is titled Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by mm. Peter Schizero. Um, That book for me was very transformative in learning about what it means to, to live a godly life, what it means to be in tune with the Holy Spirit as well in my daily life. Yeah. Um, and secondly, I have uh, another set of books really that I would encourage any buddy in any sort of leadership role in the church, specifically pastors. And that is a series called the nine marks of a healthy church um, by a guy named Mark Dever. Uh, I'm currently reading a book called discipling right now. And it's talking about how do we disciple those who are our age, who are older and specifically the next generation. And so I would recommend that to anybody. Good stuff, man. We're going to throw uh, the link uh, to both of those books down, or I guess that series of books and and uh, all of that in the in the description in the show notes uh, for you guys, so you guys can check those out. Uh, I've read Discipling by Mark Dever uh, as well. It's a great book. Uh, it's a quick read too. Like it's not. It is. It's a, it's a thin book, um, yeah. and and it's easy, straight to the point. Um, so good stuff there. And I've heard a lot of good things about emotionally healthy uh, spirituality. Um, although I've yet to read it, so uh, maybe. Maybe, maybe I'll add that to my list and we'll, we'll check it out. But, yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, good. Well, well, Jake, why don't you get us started, man? Today we're talking about reaching the next generation, what it, what it looks like to equip, to care for the next generation. We'll get we'll get into all that, but uh, why, don't, why don't you maybe just expand a little bit? What do, what do we mean when we say reaching the next generation? What do we mean by that and why is it important? Yeah, uh, when I thought about this, this idea of what does it mean to reach the next generation, um, really what, what came to mind is sharing the love of Christ, to the next generation. And really to break that down is the love of Christ is the, the birth, the life, the ministry, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, sharing the gospel with the next generation of students. And I think that's really what we're going after is as youth leaders, you know, and that can look in a myriad of different, different ways. Right. But I think that is ultimately our end goal is sharing the gospel with these students um, so that they know who their Lord and savior is. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's initially what, what comes to my mind. I'm, I'm curious yeah. to hear what, what about you, Noah? Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely agree. I, I, I always think of it too, in, in kind of terms of like two, uh, what's the word? Like, I, I don't know the tension. There's always a tension in ministry between evangelism and discipleship. Right. right. And, and you, they're like, they're two wings of a plane. If you just have one while well, your plane probably crashes, but for sake of the imagery, you're going in circles, right? Like if you're in a kayak right. and you're just paddling on one side, you're just spinning in circles. Uh, right either way. And so I always think of that tension too, of like, of sharing the gospel and, and loving for, to watch kids like place their hope in Jesus and to know what the gospel actually is. Because I think there's a lot of kids out there who are like, they think they know Jesus, but they don't, it's hard to grasp like the love of Christ. Like you said, I I love how you said like sharing the love of Christ, because uh, sometimes for, for those kids who've grown up in church, like the gospel just becomes this 
this repeated phrase that, you know, it's just a memory verse, right. John 316. And but for them to know the love of Christ and and then that motivates us into a life of discipleship and 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 spurs us into this life of like surrendering to Christ. And so uh, I think I I totally agree with you. And I and I I would add on to that too. It's watching these kids like make that their own through through their life and uh yeah. and kind of grow in in their maturity in Christ too. So watching them grow yeah. from getting the gospel to so giving their life over to Jesus and then and then living that out and sharing that with others. I think I think that's what we're after. Most definitely, man. And and just to add to that point too, I think we're ultimately wanting them to see when they understand who Christ is and that's when they understand what ultimate truth is that's only found in God's word. And and I think what's so interesting about this Gen Z um, generation of students is that they're growing up in a society that's that's a postmodern society, right? That that teaches them that there's really no ultimate truth, that their ultimate truth can be decided on their feeling, depending on whatever they want truth to be, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, it, it's all about that now. But I think for us as youth leaders, we kind of face this challenge of how can we get students to not just focus on what uh, their device in their pocket is preaching to them on a daily basis, but what does God's word actually say that they are? And how does that show them what truth really is? Because I'm sure we could ask any student, you know, in that demographic of Gen Z students, and I'm sure there would be a bit of confliction of, you know, the church is telling me this, but also social media is preaching this type of message to me too, right? Yeah, we do an Um, exercise with with our students where we we briefly explain the difference between objective and subjective truth, right? That's good, Uh, For for those listening, right? Objective truth is uh, when the truth resides in the object. So it's actually, it's outside of you. Your feelings and your opinions don't change whether or not it's true. So something like gravity, right? Like I can't just decide that I don't like gravity and then (laughs) jump really high and I wish I could dunk. I, I just can't. But but it that's that's something that's objectively true for for all people in all places. But subject is where the truth resides in the subject. And so where I if I'm the subject, I decide what's true. That that's my opinions, my feelings, like you know, how how I believe that Toyota Tundras are the best truck out there. Jake might look at me like I'm crazy, but it it's subjective right. truth, right? It's just opinion. And so we do this exercise with them where we kind of explain that idea and then we throw a bunch of statements up on the screen. And we ask them to like walk to which side of the room they think, you know, we'll say like the left side of the room is objective, the right side subjective, and you go to which side you think this claim is. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to be honest with you. Every time I've done it, it's been disheartening, like Mm -hmm. uh, in the beginning, because we'll throw up things that are that to me are clearly objective. And and I guess even uh, having some apologetics training, the both of us were like, oh, you know part of that training is like being trained to pick apart arguments that come your way. Right. But we throw these, we throw these up for kids and, and they just, that the idea of something being true for everyone is so Mm. foreign to a lot of them. And these are kids who've been raised in the church most of their life. And, and we'll throw up something like Jesus is the only way to God. And Mm. 90, 90% of the kids will walk to, they think that's a subjective claim. Wow. And, and, and this, so this is why we do stuff like this to get the conversation going, to get going. But yeah, I think what you're hitting on is, is huge that there's this, there's this, uh, this yeah device. I like the way you said that the device in their pocket, that's preaching to them, all these things about truth and what is true and and what's their experience. And, and, uh, really, really we we're here part of our role is to to set the record straight, if you will, to, to bring ultimate truth back into the equation and, and to teach and to train. I think that's good. 
Yeah, I'm reminded that by a quote I saw from John Piper, and it was, my feelings do not define truth. God's word defines truth. And I think that just sums it all up, right? I think we can yeah. so easily be, be swayed by our feelings, but I think it's it's ultimately in the hands of God, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's good, man. I, I think that's a huge, right now, like that's a very relevant uh, issue with, with next gen and, and youth for sure. Um, here's another question I have for us is, is I I know there's probably a lot of answers to this, but with, with your, uh, with your experience, with your kind of vision on youth ministry, maybe even just keeping scripture in mind, like, how do we, how do we know if our youth ministry is being successful? So I'm thinking about people who might be listening, right? Maybe we've got, uh, parents uh, on listening to this, whose kids are involved in youth ministry at church and, and, uh, think sometimes we can scare parents. We're like, you know, whatever the percentage, 75% of kids are leaving the faith after they graduate high school. And so we've got a bunch of of parents that are worried rightfully about, about their kids' faith development. And maybe they're wondering like, well, how do I know if our youth ministry is successful? Or maybe we have, Mm -hmm. uh, youth leaders or, or people work with youth or, or honestly just people who are, who are young adults who've recently come out of youth ministry and they're, and they're trying to figure out, you know, like, was this beneficial for me? Like, so I guess the question is what kind of what, what's our ultimate goal with youth ministry, but which we kind of talked about, but more so like, how do we know if, if we're being successful in, I guess I would say equipping the next generation. Cause it's bigger than, than youth group. So uh, how do we know if we're being successful with that? What do you think? Right. And, and like you said, uh, there's a big gap between that senior year of high school, that freshman year of college sort of say, or, or whatever that, that year after high school of, of people leaving the faith or having serious doubts and questioning of the faith. Um, and I think ultimately it comes to, we want students to be able to own their faith for themselves. Right. Uh, because it can be one thing for you and I with, you know, more of our extensive training and education to say, okay, this is truth. This is what you're supposed to believe, but it takes something else for them to actually say, okay, yes, this is truth. This is what God's word says. And now I'm going to believe that for myself. And I'm going to live that out and share that with others. Um, and yeah. Yeah. I think what you were saying is there's there's kind of, you know, how do we get there? Like, what does that look like? Um, and, and honestly, I wish I could give a more creative answer, but I think <laughs> it's just it's just it's just speaking truth. And that's only found in yeah. God's word. I think <laughs> teaching them the truth that Christ, it, who Christ says that they are and what their identity is in Christ yeah. um, is so important for this next generation, because um, I think of just the topic of identity in general, right? It's just such a, such a crazy thing in our world right now where students are, are questioning who they are, right? Uh, yeah. Is this, yeah. is this who I am? Is this who God created me to be? Is this really what I believe? Um, and I think all of that is answered in God's word. And so I think if we as youth leaders are preaching the word <laughs> and what Christ yeah. says mm-hmm. who he is, then I yeah. don't think we can go wrong, but yeah. um, I'd like to hear what you have to say with that. Cause I know there's layers to it. Yeah. Um, for that sure. would be my initial response. Yeah. I think, I think that's really solid. I think what, what I heard you say too, in that, in the beginning is, is we, we recognize, right. That there, there is a, a, what I would call a crisis an emergency in the church of students leaving their faith after they graduate high school, usually within the first year. And it's, it's, I don't know the exact statistic off the top of my head, but it's, it's close to half of those who leave the church in the first year after high school will never return to the church. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so we have like, whatever it is, 75% of kids going to church that leave the church. And then half of that 75% never even comes back. And so there's this huge, I mean, I think that's an emergency, right? And so I think part of if, if we're looking at what is a successful youth ministry, uh, man, and this is where like every church does this a little bit differently, but what I think is so important is we have to look at the long game. 
And mm-hmm. and I think this is what you're getting at too, is, is we have to like take, so we're both, we both have the title of next generation pastor right now. And, mm-hmm. and part of my role is developing a cohesive curriculum from birth through college. And that's extremely overwhelming at times, but <laughs> the, the idea is that when somebody finishes college or graduates high school, assuming they'd been in our church the whole time, like, did we do what the church ought to do in order to equip them and train them? And so I think when we look at, well, what's a successful youth ministry? I think there's a lot of metrics people use. Like, are there a lot of kids there? Is it super fun? Like, you know, is the pizza free? No, I'm just kidding. But uh, (laughs) like stuff like that, where, where, you know, does my kid want to go? And, and, and a lot of those things are important. Like if we have a youth ministry and uh, it's deflating, like, and it's just falling and kids are just dropping off Mm. like crazy. Like, yeah, maybe we need to look at that. But just because we have a youth ministry where there's a hundred kids and then the next week, 120, and it's just exploding, that doesn't automatically mean we're being successful either. And so I think we have to, we have to hold intention, the idea that, that our job, and I, and I, I think about this a lot from Colossians one, uh, the end of the chapter, Paul says that, uh, he, he, he longs to present everyone mature in Christ, that, that we mm. proclaim Jesus teaching and admonishing everyone to present everyone mature in Christ. And for mm-hmm. me, when I think about next gen, that's, that's the vision that, that I get. It's from the kid who's never been to church before and receiving the gospel to the kid who's grown up in church since they were in diapers. Like we want to present them mature in Christ. And so I, uh, you started to get into like, how do we do that? And I think, dude, I think you nailed one of the biggest ones on the head is, is teaching truth and teaching the word. Like it's, it's very mm-hmm. difficult to be a mature follower of Jesus. If you don't know what Jesus actually said, and right. every, everything that Jesus said is in scripture. So we ought to start with teaching that. But, but I think too, we can look on a, on a more holistic sense and say, well, what does it mean to be mature in Christ? Mm-hmm. Like, what does that actually mean? And then it's a, it's a lot of knowing your knowing your flock, I would say too. So if you're a youth pastor, you've got to know right. your kids, because then it's it's saying if this is what it means to be mature in Christ, well, here's where we are, and let's bridge that gap. Like let's do let's intentionally plan our curriculum. Let's uh, invite specific small group leaders or specific speakers or plan a specific event or camp or something like that in mm. order to help us bridge that gap, so that when a kid walks out of our youth ministry on graduation day or promotion Sunday or whatever it is, like we're confident that this kid has been trained, is mature in the faith, is mature in Christ. And and we we hold that loosely knowing that that we don't have the power to change hearts and that sin is always going to seep in and that there's going to be students that walk away who seemed like they would most perfectly follow the Lord. And, and that's in God's hands. What we're merely trying to do is just like be faithful with stewarding what we've been given, right? Most what definitely. Think about that. Yeah, uh, just to add to that too, I think when you brought in the the thought of, of parents thinking about their students too, right? Of, of yeah. is this a healthy ministry for me to send my child to, right? Because essentially yeah. they're they're giving you full spiritual permission to you know have this authority over their child for whatever two three hours on once a week, yeah. And so they're kind of entrusting you with this, and I think uh, something I had really noticed was was beneficial for me in in this was being super transparent with the parents of this is what I'm teaching. This is uh, some questions that are going to be asked to your students. And I would send out emails to them once a week of saying, this is what we went through. Um, 
just so there just adds an extra layer of communication between you and the parents. So there's yeah. no question about what they're trying to learn or what they're trying to understand in God's word. So yeah. uh, hopefully and the goal, in my opinion, would be that those conversations wouldn't end at youth group, but they would be taken to the dinner table with their parents, exactly. right? Where exactly. their parents ask, what did you learn? Right. And they have, okay, ABC, this is what, this is what I learned. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that yeah, that's yeah. huge. It, it pushes kids back to, cause we, if we think about it theologically, the family is God's instituted design for faith uh, transmission. Right. right. And, and so God has set up the world so that families would pass their faith on for generations. Mm. And so within that structure and that framework, parents are to be the primary disciplers of their kids. And and obviously this is different when you have a kid who doesn't come from a Christian home or there's there's not safe parents around, but but a lot of the kids that we minister to in youth ministry at churches go home to Christian families. And right. and what we want to do as youth pastors is come alongside, right? As next gen pastors, we're coming alongside the family and saying, yeah, I love that. Being transparent, saying, this is what I'm teaching. This mm-hmm. is where we're going. I, I've I've done in the past too, where I send out discussion questions for the parents. I'm like, here, I'll make it even easier for you. Here's three questions you can ask at dinner this week. You know, right. like when your kid doesn't give you anything on, hey, what stuck out to you? Just ask them these three questions. Hey, I heard you guys talked about suffering. You know, how are you suffering? Or whatever it might be, right? Like we've given questions for the parents to spur that on. I think that's huge because I think oftentimes we forget that like parents and pastors and youth leaders and coaches or whoever these people, like we're all on the same team, Amen. you know, like we're all, we all want the same thing. Right. We, we all have different roles and different different methods to get there. And that's great. That's that's how how God's designed it. But um, I guess like speaking of parents too, here's here's what I'll say. Jake and I, neither one of us are parents of teenagers, <clears throat> but no. but we've we've worked in our roles with parents of teenagers before. And so if we could tread like just lightly here, a question I would love to throw out is like, what what do we think would be helpful? Like, I don't know, if there's one thing. I don't know, it's hard to pick one thing, but if there was one thing that like a parent of a, of a teenager or a junior high or high school or something could do to help in this maturing of their students' faith, like, I, I don't know, what, what would you think that would be? And, and all you parents out there were saying this with, with full humility and saying, we've never had a teenager before <laughs> and it's probably right. way harder than we think it is. But as youth right. pastors, here's what we would wish the parents would do with their kids. I don't know. Does that question make sense? What do you think, Jake? Yeah, no, I, I think it makes perfect sense. I, like you said, I'm going to tread lightly with this answer so we don't get much, uh, too, too much hate on this one. But, uh, I, I do think it is important for, uh, parents to start at a young age with their children too yeah. of doing some sort of a catechism I believe is is really important oh, because it it has the students actually think about what can you answering. before you go on tell us what a catechism is in case we have listeners who don't know what that is right so a catechism is is basically a question answer based kind of a devotion that you can go through with with your children with your youth ministry as a bible study um, one that I've used before is, is a new city catechism yeah. where um, basically there'll be different, different topics each week uh, where simply I would propose a question and basically the catechism would have a kind of a, a designed answer to it. But really the idea isn't for the students to have this concrete answer right away, but really to get them thinking about what it is, you know, thinking about this question and why is it that I'm answering it this way? Um, it gets them to kind of think about that, right? Why do I believe that this is truth? Why do I believe that this is the answer to this question? And so I think just starting that young 
yeah. with your children. Yeah, that's um, good. And and maybe I don't know if this is the right word, but maybe intensifying the questions as they get a bit older, so them to kind of understand. Okay, yeah. you know, what do you do with struggling? What um, you know, how do you deal with this? I think that yeah. could be really really beneficial. Yeah. Listeners can't actually see this, but I have a, a picture of a catechism on the wall behind me right now. This is from the uh, uh, the Western Shorter Catechism uh, that says, what is the chief end of man to glorify God and enjoy him forever? So if you ever heard that that kind of question answer, that's what a catechism looks like. And, and yeah, that's I do. That's not the answer I was expecting, but that's really good. I think, uh, again, there's this idea that, uh, and, and uh, again, I'm treading lightly, but I, I see a lot of of parents and families expect that the church raised their kid up in the faith. Right. And when, I, the house. when I read yeah. the scripture, God says that the parents raised their kids up in the faith. And, and of course the church is here to help. Like that's what we want to do. We want to be the body and a family of Christ, but it's right. the parents primary role. And so, yeah, to, to start young like that with just building the foundations of faith. Like I think, I think that's really solid. If, if I was going to pick something, um, <clears throat> Yeah, just kind of along those lines, I would just say like create an open relationship with your kid, mm-hmm. um, and and I think that that's that's huge. And and I don't know, maybe that's like kind of cliche, and it's not super deep spiritually, but it, having an open relationship with your son or daughter where they actually feel like they can come talk to you about the uh, the deepest issues of their faith or of their life. Like that's where you're going to actually get those conversations where you have the opportunity to speak truth or you have the opportunity to speak life or you have the opportunity to to hear how they're suffering is if you right. you can do things that make your, your, your child just feel really safe talking to you about whatever they might be going through. Uh, and, and so a lot of that is, is holding your tongue a little bit, maybe or mm-hmm. not, not being so quick to like put a child in trouble because they just told you something. Are we going to punish them for something they confessed when uh, every time we confess to God, he's faithful to forgive us. And, and I'm not telling you can't never discipline your kid. That's obviously not what I'm saying, but I think that, yeah, having an open relationship with your son or daughter, I think is huge for faith development, faith transmission. It, it creates a, a relationship too, that, that goes beyond like the parent uh, child relationship. So when, when your child becomes an adult, obviously you're always their parent, but, but there's a shift in, in in the relationship in the sense of you're you're both adults now and and figuring that out right uh now you already are used to having these open conversations as adults together about what it looks like to follow Jesus but um yeah. Jake we're we're uh, going to wrap up here in a, in a couple minutes um but let's just talk briefly about uh where do we see the church doing this well so when it comes to uh youth ministry reaching the next generation like what is encouraging do you think about like the current state of the church uh here in here in the west i guess you could say about next generation stuff what what do you think is encouraging about that yeah i i think something that i have noticed in the church that i currently serve is every sunday we have all generation worship so what and what i mean by that is that during our time of of worship on sunday mornings we have uh, our, our children's ministry, our youth ministry, our young adults, we have everybody in uh, the sanctuary together at one time. And I think uh, for me, seeing that as a youth leader is, is huge because it is showing that uh, a child can look at their parents worshiping the Lord and they see uh, just just the raw um, um, submission that their parents are giving to the Lord during time of worship. But that is yeah. huge for your child's life to see. Um yeah. 
And so I think something that I've seen specifically in our church, I, I'm sure your church is something similar with this of I'm incorporating the next generation in a time of worship together. Yeah. Um, and then once the worship concludes and then children are dismissed to their classes. Um, but, but that's something I would say that I, I have found to be really helpful and, and I think beneficial in the local church right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, would, I, would, I was just going to say, I'd agree. Our church keeps kids in through worship and here's the reality though. It's, I'm going to be real as a father of a two-year-old, like it's inconvenient like, sure, straight, sure. straight up. Like <laughs> it is, I, I love my daughter. I love to watch her worship. I love to watch her dance, but, but when she's climbing all over the pews and drawing all over <laughs> everyone's connection cards and I'm trying right, to sing, right. like it's, it's inconvenient, but, but those are the times where I have to stop and remember like church. And this is something we talk about a lot here on the podcast. Church is not here for my comfort. Right, right. Right. Like it, it's here for my faith development. So there's an aspect of worshiping with my daughter that that's stretching me and growing me. But there's also an aspect of worshiping with my daughter where she is learning from me and from her mom and from our, our faith family, what it right. looks like to engage with God. And so it might not be like, I, you know, I might not be having like the most epic worship experience every Sunday morning, but sure. long-term gain again, playing the long game, right. Long-term gain. Like it I, starts I, now. See, yeah. Yeah, I see a lot of benefit from that. Um, well, what about, what about the other side? Like, uh, what, where do we see the church maybe like struggling with next gen? What, what do we think is going on there? Like if, if we're a church goer or a volunteer at a church where our next gen is, is struggling, like, I don't know what, what might we see that, that we should be wary of when it comes to reaching the next generation? Yeah. Um, our staff recently uh, went through a book called growing young where we we yeah, had kind of one. learned through this through this read of, of what it what it really means to grow young and, and what I mean by that is is growing your church and reaching the next generation in the process right um, and I think when we think growth initially that means uh, physical growth right numbers yeah. but I think the book touches on an aspect much deeper than that and I think uh, it's really the spiritual growth in it too and that doesn't yeah. always mean in numbers but what does it mean to spiritually grow strengthen the next generation yeah, um, for sure. And so as we've been been going through that, I think it starts with adults seeing the next generation, uh, not just as the future church, but as the church right now. Um, and with yeah. that, of how can we get this next generation plugged in to the ecclesia right now, right? How do we get them serving? Yeah. How do we get them uh, taking part in different ministry teams of some sort, right? I think yeah. I think that is so important for us as adults to see. Yeah. You know, this is the future, but it's so much the now. You know? Yeah, that's that's exactly what I was gonna say. It's it's that tension of like I feel like when we talk about kids and youth, young adults, we're like, oh, they're the future of the church. And one right. of our pastors the other day was like, yes, but they're also the church right now. Yeah, that's good, exactly as they are, right? And and that's and that's the tension of of remembering that that they, when when Paul's letters would be read to the early church, like the children were in there, like the mm -hmm. verses where it's like children obey your parents, like that wasn't like parents go home and tell your kids that I told them to obey you. It was the children are sitting right there. And the guys are right, right. reading to the children, children, obey your parents and honor your father and mother. I, I think that's, I think that's huge. If I was going to pick one, like where, where we might need to be wary with, with next gen, I think our, I think our metrics of success scare me sometimes because uh, mm. being a part of like youth pastors groups and whatnot, like what gets us excited about youth as youth pastors or, or as churches really about youth ministry, like is sometimes not what I would say the right things. And so like you mm. might have a youth group of, of 10 kids 
and they're like they're growing. They're they're confessing their sin. They're evangelizing. Their their prayer life is thriving. But like it's just ten kids, you know. And I think sometimes right. that can be really disappointing to a church as a whole. Whereas sometimes our metrics, like you're kind of saying like numbers or, or I think of like the typical, like there's loud music and there's free food and everybody, right. like, everybody's stoked to be there. And like, don't get me wrong. Like that's a fun environment. Like I love it, but, sure. but I don't know if that's how we, how we define success. And so I, I think sometimes though, that's, that's what's easier. Like youth ministry is easier that way. Not, right. not that, not that if you youth pastor a large church, it's easy, but yeah, that. But that to define your success by creating a fun and exciting environment, I think that's easier than it is to define your success by spiritual health, growth, and maturity. And Most so, definitely. yeah, I think I think that would be the one thing I would say is be wary of if, if you're a parent uh, or if you're a, a layman at your church. Like, we want to be asking the questions like, how is our youth ministry like defining success? Are are they basing this off of the kids are really growing in their walk with Christ, or is or is success everybody has a great time when they're here. And, and right. of course we want kids to have a great time, but right. but we want them to have more than a great time. I'd so right. much rather them have a great walk with Jesus and think youth group was a little bit boring than right. have youth group be super exciting and have them walk away from their faith after, after they graduate. Those aren't, those aren't always the only two options, but I think that's what I would say to be wary of. Uh, well, Jake, we got like just a minute left here. Any, any last thoughts you want to add before we wrap up? No, man, I think we covered it. I, cool. I think just going back to what you said, of, you know, the church really isn't meant to be comfortable. Yeah, we're supposed to uh, have a great time fellowshipping with one another, but also yeah. we're we're called to be encouraging to one another, but also call out one each other in our sin yeah. too, to help grow one another in the faith. And so yeah. um, I think it could be easy to fall into the trap of this consumeristic type culture in the church. So yeah. um, love what you're doing here, man. I, I'm, I'm blessed to be a part of it. Yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks so much for coming on. And again, uh, something that we talk about a lot, like you just said, right? We, when it comes to church, when it comes to the body of Christ, we're, we're so tempted. And this is our natural lean. So tempted to lean into our own comfortability, our own desires. For some reason, it's so difficult sometimes right. to ask, like, not don't ask, like, what makes me comfortable, right? But instead of asking, what does Jesus want from his church? How can I be a part of what Jesus wants for his body, right? So when we talk about next gen, well, what is what does God want for for the next generation? Like, what? Is, how does He want them to be equipped? How does He want them to be trained? And then going after that—that's uh, good stuff, man. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Jake. And we look forward to catching you next time. Of course, Noah. See you later, man. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Get Your Donut Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And if you liked what you heard, rate the show and leave us a review. That helps other people find us, and it lets us know how you feel about it. I hope you have an awesome day and that you never settle for anything less than all in with Jesus. Thank you.